Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post show for October 31st, 2022. I am JD from New York, as always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Halloweens, your Monday evenings, wherever you may be. Monday Night Raw, man. It's nice to start a brand new Wii, right? What a what a hellacious weekend it was. It's nice to start brand new. It's nice to start on a Monday. I know some of you may be rattled by my opinion. And believe me, folks, this is my opinion, okay? I don't need people canceling me over what I'm about to tell you. I don't need people cursing me out. I don't need people arguing with me. It is my opinion, on what I say about tonight's show. Tonight's show was better than last week, but still very much mid from Monday Night Raw. And I hope, I hope next Monday, when we start a brand new week all over again, and we now have build for the Survivor Series, that WWE will be back on track because I could not give a single solitary shit about anything going into Crown Jewel. 
Nothing. Nothing. Reigns and Logan Paul, don't give a shit about. Tag team championships with the ladies, don't give a shit about. The women's tag team championships are a fucking disaster. The women's championship, I can't really bring myself to care about another Bianca Belair and Bailey one-on-one match. I can't. The club and judgment day, eh. Eh. I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't really know what to tell you. Tonight's show was mid, and I do think that WWE has put effort into Crown Jewel. And I really do think that whatever they're doing for Crown Jewel is filling out what Crown Jewel needs. Because these aren't traditional WWE pay-per-views. It's basically a freebie. It's a free payday for WWE. Yeah, let me travel to Saudi, put on whatever we got to do to entertain the audience there and then fly back home. And then hopefully next week we get back on track building towards war games and Survivor Series. I know that's what everybody is waiting for and to see what materializes coming out of that. Monday Night Raw tonight, the big things that happened, not many, but there were a few. Number one, the women in the main event, we got the women's tag team championships. The women's tag team championships. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. With damage control, uh, I really, I really don't know. But we have new women's tag team champions. And I want to see if you guys agree with me and follow along with me on what I'm thinking going into war games here. Asuka and Alexa Bliss beat Dakota Kai and Io Shirai. Okay. They are the new women's tag team champions. I even said it on Twitter. I I don't know why we would take the belts off of damage control after we made such a big deal about them not winning the tournament, only for WWE to go back and correct the mistake from the tournament final to give them the tag team titles. They've done absolutely nothing with them. They felt ice cold on EO and Dakota. And it goes to show you That the women's tag team championships don't really mean much of anything in WWE because you're never going to have a longevity that is serious. You're never going to have a longevity that is legit for the tag team title because there are no tag teams. There are no tag teams. So when one team wins the tag team championships, then they have no other teams to feud with. And then WWE, out of their fucking magic bag or magic hat, they pull the rabbit out of the hat. They create a tag team. They put two women together to make them a tag team. They feud for a little bit. And then when the feud is over, they give the tag team titles to said team. And then we start all over again. That's the problem with the women's tag team championships. This is why I've been saying since their inception that they're a waste of fucking time. Nobody wants them. Nobody needs them. And if you think that the women's division needs them, you obviously don't know what the fuck you're talking about. The WWE never needed the Women's Tag Team Championships. Now, Bayley is out there. Bayley is out there saying that the women's division needs something along the lines of an intercontinental championship. The women's division needs a secondary title. I would absolutely and happily trade the Tag Team Championships and burn them to the fucking ground and piss on the fucking ashes. I would burn the titles in exchange 
for a singles championship in the women's division. Before we do that, we'd have to merge both the Raw and SmackDown women's divisions because we don't need two women's championships running around, and we need a a mid-card title to add to that? No, I'm sorry. That's not going to work for me, and that's not going to work for the women's division. It's not going to be a great way to build a division and just add more bullshit on top of bullshit that already exists. She wants to add an intercontinental championship. I like the idea, but you can't do it with tag team championships. You can barely find fucking competitors for your tag team titles. What the fuck are you going to do with the singles championship? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's going to get old, and it's going to get boring very, very quickly unless they make the appropriate changes needed for the women's division. So why did they give the tag team titles? Why did WWE give the tag team titles to Asuka and Alexa Bliss tonight? One reason could be that maybe, maybe we can't get one of the ladies or all of the ladies. I have no fucking idea. They said Asuka and Alexa may be at Crown Jewel. I don't know what that means for Rio and Dakota Kai, but maybe travel reasons. But I don't really... I don't really see why travel reasons would play into why they took the tag team championships off of damage control tonight. The one reason that I think they took the tag team championships off of damage control is because I felt like, and a lot of people felt like, they weren't really doing much with anything. They were ice cold. Damage control was ice cold. They weren't getting over. They weren't really, they they never hit their stride. They never amounted to what, we expected them to be as a threesome with Bailey leading. They need something. Something is obviously missing. Desperately needed in, in damage control. I don't know what the fuck it is that's going to rectify that, but obviously something is missing. Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks has been in the news. Sasha Banks has been in the news, and there's a big update. On Sasha Banks. And why do I mention Sasha Banks? Well, last week, Banks and Naomi were on the red carpet with the New Day for the world premiere of Wakanda Forever. So they went to the movie premiere of the Black Panther. Dave Meltzer noted today on the forums over on the Wrestling Observer that Banks was a WWE guest at a show in Mexico City today. Banks was said to be hanging out with Bailey and AAA wrestler Mamba took them out to a restaurant and a bar. Lucky man. Lucky man. The appearance in Mexico last week's red carpet appearance appeared to be a good sign for a WWE return. Meltzer reported last week that Banks is still under WWE contract and there were talks happening that there were hand-ups or hang-ups, I should say, Hang-ups delaying her return. I think WWE is setting themselves up for a Sasha Banks and Naomi return. I do. War Games is coming up. We need juice. None of this shit has any juice. None of it has any intensity. We may see little dabbles of it here and there. We may see shit from Bailey and shit from Bianca and this and that and yada, yada, yada. But Sasha Banks and Naomi, in my honest opinion, are on their way back to WWE. Right now, Damage Control has nobody, nobody 
on the list of people in the WWE ready to fit into their group legitimately to go and do battle with them inside war games against Bianca, Candice LeRae, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss. Now, clearly, it is a four-on-three advantage. What I think is going to happen is I think Sasha Banks and Naomi are coming back, and I think that they're going to be five-on-five for war games. Damage Control is going to have Sasha Banks and Naomi join Damage Control, and I honestly think that is what it's going to be to take them and really give them that feel. You can't have a group led by Bailey and then not have Sasha Banks as a compliment to Bailey. I love Dakota. I love EO. I think they're fucking great. I love both women, but they ain't doing it. They may be great in-ring performers. They are not a compliment to Bailey. They're not. Sasha Banks is, though. And you know the last time that Sasha Banks and Bailey were together, they basically held the WWE on their shoulders, carried the company on their back with Drew McIntyre in the middle of a pandemic. So that is the thing that I think is going to take them to the next level. So that would make Damage Control 5. We'd have Bailey, Dakota, Io, Sasha, and Naomi. Then we got Bianca, Asuka, Alexa, and Candice LeRae. WWE's been very tight-lipped on Becky Lynch and her return. Becky Lynch fits into this thing like a glove because she's the last thing that Damage Control saw at SummerSlam. Becky Lynch comes back. She aligns with Bianca Belair, and we get five-on-five for War Games. Triple H can put anybody in War Games and make it good because it's War Games, and I don't know how you can have a bad War Games match. But this does not call for the likes of Aaliyah, and Raquel, and Shotzi, or Natalia, or any of these fucking mid-performers that don't do anything as far as interest is concerned. You want a War Games match? You want first time ever? Man, you better be putting the biggest fucking stars in that War Games, or bust. That's what it's going to be, and that's what it has to be. I honestly do think with Survivor Series coming back uh, to War Games, or uh, I, I, I should say Survivor Series going back to Boston... And it being war games, I mean, it's a perfect ground zero. It's a perfect destination for Sasha Banks to make her return to the WWE. I don't know why they wouldn't capitalize on that. I know if I'm Sasha Banks, if I'm Mercedes, and if I know anything about her, she'd probably want to be a part of that because she's all about making moments. That woman is about making history. That's what she would want. And the fact that it's in Boston is just the cherry on top of the cake. That's what war games should be. I don't know if it's going to end up being that way, but that's what war games should be on that fabled Saturday. So I love it. I think that's great. Now, the other big thing that happened tonight is Dexter Loomis. Apparently Dexter Loomis and... I forgot his name. The Miz. That's how, that's how in, insignificant The Miz is. Dexter Loomis and The Miz. They've been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth since September. Since September. I feel like we needed some sort of clue or a crumb, a cookie crumb, somewhere in between. We got nothing. We got back and forth, back and forth, sleeper hold, sleeper hold, sleeper hold, show cold, show cold, abduction. Breaking into his home, 
and every which thing that you could possibly think of, him coming up through the ring and scaring the Miz and all these other fucking hijinks, his pairing with Tommaso Ciampa didn't really make any sense at all. And we got Dexter Loomis and the Miz with no answers. All of a sudden, Johnny Gargano gets brought to WWE. They start him off feuding with Austin Theory, and then he kind of transitions himself into being a whistleblower for The Miz and this Dexter Loomis angle. He's got the reason why The Miz is being abducted and choked out by Dexter Loomis. Apparently, the reason was The Miz wanted to pay off Dexter Loomis to create this facade, this fabrication of his A-list celebrity status being, I would say, played with. He wanted to create a movie or a narrative for himself where he was in the spotlight and the best way for him to get into the spotlight was to create all these scenes and to create all these situations where Dexter Loomis was doing all these dastardly things to him and people kept him in their mouths, in their eyes, in their ears, and in the spotlight. He wanted all the spotlight. He wanted everybody to feel sympathetic for him. So Johnny Gargano says that the the Miz and Dexter Loomis entire thing was Miz paying off Loomis to pretend. He paid Loomis off to do everything that we've seen Dexter Loomis do for the Miz. Showing up in his home, choking him out, even costing him the United States Championship. He did whatever. He went to all these lengths to make it believable paying him off, paying him off, paying him off. And then Johnny Gargano says it took one week and then it snowballed into several weeks where The Miz wasn't paying Dexter Loomis anymore. And that's now turned into a serious situation for The Miz and now Dexter Loomis is really targeting The Miz for his back payment. But this is the narrative that they've created for Dexter Loomis and The Miz. Now, Johnny Gargano is incredible. I've been a Johnny Gargano mark for many, many, many years now. I think his work is incredible, no matter if he plays a babyface or if he plays a heel. His work in NXT is above and beyond anything that I've seen in decades. It's amazing. It's something that we all fell in love with. His work with Champa and TakeOver and everything that he did there to really solidify black and gold as the brand. Johnny Gargano will forever be one of my favorites of the current generation. Same thing with Champa. Can't leave him out. Johnny Gargano is incredible, man. No matter if he's playing babyface or heel, he has this, this timing, this comedic timing, and this charisma and this personality that is honestly infectious. And I don't think he realizes how funny he is. He's just quick-witted. He's funny. And this is what a lot of people loved when he actually went heel in NXT. A lot of people didn't really understand it because they were so ingrained, as was I, about Johnny Gargano playing that Daniel Bryan, you know, yes movement like babyface and that NXT black and gold Sami Zayn babyface come from behind, underdog, you know, against all odds, Johnny Gargano. That's great. But we've seen that time and time and time again. And you don't want to pigeonhole somebody into a role like that when he's got so many other aspects that, we haven't really seen yet. And then he went heel and we started to see this whole new Johnny Gargano. We start to see these jokes and this comedic timing and this fucking humor. And it's like, wow, 
I didn't like it at first because I didn't really know what to expect, and I don't really like the unpredictable, but, man, he's killing this shit. His interaction with Candace and Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis, it was fantastic. It was one of the, it was one of the reasons why NXT was somewhat watchable, even with no crowd. That's the Johnny Gargano we saw tonight. Reenactments, it was him playing Dexter Loomis in these reenactments. It was him playing Indy Hartwell in these reenactments. Byron Saxton sat down with this, like, investigation-type deal. He was interviewing him, and it's, it's just great television. It really is great television. I don't know if I believe that this is the story. I really don't. I don't know if this is the legit story that they wanted to tell. I don't know if this was the end-all, be-all for this. I honestly feel when Champa went down with injury, I honestly feel that they kind of had to go back to the drawing board and rewrite how all of this was going to go about. Because when Champa went down, I honestly think there was something else that was supposed to be with this Dexter Loomis thing. And I still firmly believe that Tommaso Champa would have used Dexter Loomis to kind of get away from The Miz and get away from that pairing. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that was my prediction then. I feel like with him going down, this was their plan B. And is it believable enough for the audience to be plan B? Is this the end goal? I don't know if this is the end. What's the conclusion to this? How are they going to wrap this up? And what's going to happen to Loomis? Does he have a contract? Is he going to get a Wrestling role on WWE Raw, I don't know. I don't know. But I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. It was entertaining, absolutely. I expected something a little bit more controversial. That may be my problem. I expected something a little bit more controversial and not exactly what we got tonight. I don't know. Maybe you guys see something else in this. Some of you say it's disappointing. Some of you liked it. I don't know. It's up in the air. And then we got Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. Again, you know, there's not really much story there. There's not. They set it up because, you know, Bray Wyatt went to SmackDown. Lesnar was able to go to Monday Night Raw and kind of just be on Monday Night Raw because Lesnar was a Fox commodity. And now Bray Wyatt's the hottest thing in pro wrestling. And now he's on SmackDown. So, WWE had to make good with NBCU, and they gave NBCU and Raw Brock Lesnar. So they set up this storyline to get the United States Championship off of Bobby Lashley onto Seth Rollins, and the way that they did that is through Brock Lesnar. That's it. Brock Lesnar cost Bobby Lashley the United States Championship. Very basic. A three-year-old could write this story. There's no story there, but... The fact of the matter is, it's Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar, so it's going to be must-see. It's going to be fucking two bulls beating the shit out of each other on Saturday afternoon. I thought the brawl was great. We've seen brawls like that done a thousand fucking times, but I thought the brawl was great. The thing that really took the brawl to the next level was the fact that Triple H threw down the headset, showed up on camera, left Gorilla, and got in between Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley and said, if these two men touch each other one more time tonight, I'm calling the match off for Crown Jewel. Triple H, presenting himself on TV, took the entire segment to the next level. And I honestly think his inclusion here, no matter how minor it is, I honestly think that it really sold the entire aura 
and the aspect of this match happening on Saturday afternoon. And that was basically Monday Night Raw. Outside your Halloween hijinks and, you know, your boring segments with Baron Corbin and JBL, this was a better than last week Monday Night Raw because last week was just fucking boring. At least this week was a little bit more entertaining, but at the end of the day, it was still lackluster and mid, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to ride that crown jewel train, bro. I honestly think that the War Games build is going to be a lot better than what we got for Crown Jewel, and I think that's what's holding both Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown back from being really, really good shows. So we will revisit that on Monday, and hopefully the build for Survivor Series will be a little bit better next week. Guys, we're going to go over the rest of the show tonight. I appreciate you joining me tonight on Monday night. It's off the scripts. The place to be on Monday night, number one in the community as always. I appreciate you guys very much. There was no baseball for you guys to watch tonight, only Monday night football, and I heard it wasn't really a good game. And the Phillies Astros got rained out in Philadelphia. Sucks. Prolonging what I think will be an Astros World Series. I don't know. So now you're stuck with Monday night football and now me. So thank you guys for joining me on the podcast. Thank you guys for the tremendous support. All weekend. All weekend. A weekend where I was vilified for voice, voicing my opinion. And by my countdown, uh, it's 48 hours. Less than 48 hours where we better fucking see a Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa classic, bro, between... Jake Cargill and Marina Shafir on Dynamite. I'm going to pull out the, the binoculars, man. I'm going to pull out the microscope. I may have some props around here, man. I may have a microscope. I may get myself some reading glasses and dissect this thing on Wednesday night, man. Listen, listen. I have made this match, me, I've made this match more interesting than anything AEW can do. I love it. Absolutely love it, man. But I appreciate you guys and all the support this weekend, man. The podcast last night did, uh, it's right about now, 40,000 views and over 3,500 likes, man. You know, when, pe- when people tell me that Off the Script is dead and JD's getting canceled and I'm going to be working in three months at McDonald's and they're going to get rid of me and this and that, I need a break, man. We're stronger than ever. fuck you talking about? I love it. Thank you guys very much, man. At least I'm not dressed like two fucking geeks on Halloween. Doing a live stream. Gotta get my digs in. Anyway, follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Links are down below in the description. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. I see 570 likes. I need a thousand minimum. No questions asked, bro. Don't let me get Jesse to water down your your cold beverages, man. You don't want that. You want a properly served, chilled, and made cold beverage, okay? Hit that thumbs up. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show with our cold beverages. VIPs, 
Thank you for becoming a VIP. People that aren't members, get those applications in, man. Become a channel member. Become a VIP channel member right here on Off The Scripts. All you got to do is hit that join button down below. You guys get emotes. You guys get badges next to your name to show off your VIP status. Unbelievable, man. The higher you get, the better the emotes and, or I should say badges. The higher you go, the better the badges are. You see some of those emotes in the chat right now. And go check out all the other videos that you might have missed, man. Everything you need is on the channel. All the live streams from last week and then last night's massive live stream. Addressing all the drama from Sunday afternoon. Go and check that all out on the homepage. I want to thank you guys once again for all of your support. Let's get into Monday Night Raw, man. We got a show to break down. Monday Night Raw starts off with Nikki Cross. Raw Women's Championship match, Bianca Belair and Nikki. Bro, my joke is dead now. My joke is dead now. What am I? I got to find new material. I can't make fun of Nikki Trash anymore. I can't make fun of Nikki Trash. Now now she's Nikki Craw. Now she's boring, right? Now she's boring. What am I going to do? What am I gonna? We got the impact joke though, right? Yeah, we we got the impact joke, right? Nobody nobody watches impact, right? Nobody watches impact, man. Nobody, nobody. I'll I'll talk about that later in the way. Nobody talks nobody talks about impact. I mean, Fightful reviews impact, man, right? They review in front of how many people? Fifty? Wow, that's almost double the impact audience live in the impact zone. That's great. It's great. Nobody watches impact, man. Nobody. Um. What else do we got? We got a couple other jokes, right? We got the, uh, we got Raquel, right? <laughs> Raquel Rodriguez Gonzalez, right? We, we got, we got that one. We got, uh, we got that. We got some ones up Monday Night Raw. We got, yeah, we got, what, 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 what's, what's her name? Man, she may end up released. But is NXT releasing? Yo, listen, can you go find out? The NXT release, somebody, somebody said, Alvarez said there was NXT releases, right? Can someone see if the trash was taken out? I'd love to know. I'd love to know, man. We got, uh, we got trash legend. We, we still got that joke. That's right? Tuesday night, though. Nobody watches Tuesday night, man, because the show sucks. What else we got? Ronda Rousey. Fuck, man. Man, I love the Nikki Trash joke. Now she's just Nikki Cross. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Rest in peace, Nikki Trash. She took out the trash, man. Goodbye. Now she's Nikki Cross. Right? I'm surprised. I'm surprised that WWE actually went all the way with it. Now, I said this, word for word, I said this on last week's show. When she came out and dove all over damage control and beat the fuck out of everybody in the ring last week on the uh, Monday Night Raw that we saw last week in the main event, she acted like Nikki Cross from Black and Gold. I said, we're probably going to end up getting somewhat similar to what we got in NXT And it's not going to be as grungy. It's not going to be sanity-esque, right? So I was proven to be right once again. And she came out. Everything about her was NXT. Everything about her was Nikki Cross from Black and Gold. Everything about her was NXT sanity, Nikki, which is great. I'm surprised they went all the way with it. They gave her a little bit of a, a, a better wardrobe, I would say. But it did not deviate away. It did not take away from the overall unhinged act, right? So I think that's great. So kudos to WWE, man. Slowly but surely, they're making the appropriate changes. For the first time in, I don't even know how long, you know, Nikki was getting no reaction. None. The superhero gimmick was not getting any reaction whatsoever. Nikki Cross was getting chance of Nikki tonight. And that's great. That's a great sign because this is a much more believable character. This is a much more entertaining character. This is much more of who she is. And she she owned it in NXT and had, had it taken away from her. They, they took it away from her. They brought her to the main roster. They tried to make her into a glamour girl with Alexa Bliss drinking coffee and talking dirt about the rest of the fucking women in the locker room. And then she turned into a fucking superhero with butterflies all over her outfit. Lame. For the first time since Sanity, Nikki can actually be Nikki, and she does it great. You know, believe it or not, I didn't want to call Nikki Ash, Nikki T-R-A-S-H. I only did it for shits and giggles because the gimmick was fucking terrible. The gimmick sucked. Now, it's a different story. Now, Nikki is actually a commodity. To the women's division. Now, Nikki is actually an asset to the women's division. That is a gimmick she loves, and that's a gimmick she plays very well. And now she adds even more depth. When she was the butterfly superhero geek, she didn't add anything to the division. Now she adds to the division. The simple things that should have been done are now being done, and I love it. I think it's great. Bianca Belair and Nikki Cross, non-title match. This is happening because of the happenings that happened last week on Monday Night Raw. Cross had new music, her mannerisms, black and gold, Nikki unhinged, and everything was sanity Nikki. Loved it. She wore a black leather top, red pants, leather jacket. Great. Loved it. So early on, Nikki Cross yanked Belair's leg in the ropes, started going away at her, unhinged, throwing lefts and rights. And Belair came back with the backbreaker. Body slam, body slam, body slam. Three straight body slams by Bianca Belair. And then a delayed vertical suplex. Cross got her knees up on a moonsault attempt after the vertical suplex. Cross then puts Bianca in a headlock outside the ring, but Belair fell backwards 
and she goes splat on the mat outside. All of a sudden, Io Sky and Dakota Kai run out, and they distract the referee, allowing Bailey to shove Belair into the ring post. Cross wiped out Bailey anyway and took out the rest of damage control. Cross ran into the ring, but Belair, she had time to recover while all this was going on, caught Nikki Cross in a KOD for the one, two, three, and that was it. Now, I'll get to the ending in a second because I know a lot of people were like, well, why did they just re-debut her with this new gimmick and she's already losing with this unhinged character on Monday Night Raw in her first week back as a new character? Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, damage control attacked Belair after the match, but she was quickly saved by Asuka and Alexa Bliss. Asuka, who is now back from injury, she was out with an injury, uh, looked to be a, a right leg injury or a knee injury. She had a brace on her knee. So she's back with Alexa Bliss, came out to Asuka's music, and Nikki Cross disappeared, and damage control was thwarted off by Bianca, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss. Why did Nikki Cross lose? Why did Nikki Cross lose this match? The only thing I could really possibly think of as far as a logical reason, and I'm not really upset at it, normally I would be, well, if this was a debut of a new woman on the roster, then it's a different story. This is Nikki. This is Nikki now going through a transformation, and there was outside interference. You know, Bailey shoved Bailey into the ring post. Bailey got involved. Cross wiped out Bailey for whatever reason. She's unhinged. She doesn't need a reason to wipe out Bailey. And then she took out the rest of damage control. She's just going and destroying everybody. So it was basically, you know, damage control out there kind of throwing the match in one way, in one direction. Then Belair, KOD, Nikki Cross, one, two, three, it's over. The match was to do one thing. And that is get Nikki Cross and this gimmick in front of a live audience again so people understand it. Put her in the ring with this new gimmick, this new persona that the main roster hasn't seen before. Get people used to it. Get people on board with it. Get people excited about it. Get people in the know about what they can expect from Nikki Cross. And put her in there with a champion like Bianca Belair. Somebody of stature. Somebody of note like Bianca Belair, who's going to make her look good. Nikki Cross is good at what she does. She's very good in the ring. But putting her in there against Bianca Belair, it's going to add that extra layer of interest because Bianca's the champion and everybody loves Bianca. And if Nikki Cross is doing what she needs to do against Bianca, people are going to be believe. Uh, they're going to believe in that. It's going to be believable. This was more about getting the gimmick. This was more about getting the character over than anything else. A loss for Nikki Cross is not going to really do much of anything because she's got a character in the unhinged character that is very unpredictable. It's going to result in wins. It's going to result in losses. But at the end of the day, people are going to be drawn to the unhinged character. They're not going to really care if she's won or lost. Her mannerisms, her promo, and how she speaks and how she interacts is now going to be the next layer of this character. And when we start to see all these layers with this new character on the main roster that we haven't seen before, it's going to be something that is going to draw a character away from what happens in the ring. The losses are not going to really matter all that much. I'll tell you when it does matter, and I'll tell you when it is going to matter, but right now it doesn't matter. I think this is all about getting the character in front of that live audience and getting people on board because people were not on board. If you were on board, you're an idiot. 
if you were in the camp that liked the butterfly, you, you, clearly you don't know shit. Thank God you're not booking the fucking show. And that was a detriment not only to Nikki Cross, trash, but the division. This is what's going to be uh, better for the division. This is the character that she needs to play. So I think it's more about the character instead of the wins and losses here on, on, uh, on Monday Night Raw. I think that's the reason for it. So I don't mind it at all. I think it's going to be a good deal with Bianca beating Nikki and Nikki going on and really getting used to this character and getting the main roster audience used to this character. Kathy Kelly interviewed Bianca Belair and Asuka with Alexa Bliss backstage after all of this happened in the opening match. So Belair said she'll be the last woman standing on Saturday. Bliss says they want to settle this right now. So she challenged EO and Dakota to give them a tag team title match tonight. Asuka yelled, they aren't ready for Asuka and Alexa. It's good to see Asuka not dancing and fucking uh, making jokes. Asuka was definitely more of NXT black and gold Asuka tonight. Intense, furious, angry Asuka. Ready for a fight, Asuka. That's also a great thing to see. They went to Corey Graves and Kevin Patrick at ringside. And I mentioned these two guys. Kevin Patrick is... He ain't getting any better, folks. I, I think uh, I think we're well past the, oh, you, you, you gotta give him time. No. no I, I've given him enough time. I'm, I've given him enough time. He sucks, okay? He's not good at what he does. He was good at what he did as a backstage interviewer and a panel host on Raw Talk or... Or, or a pre-show. Monday Night Raw play-by-play commentary. No. I want to focus on Corey Graves. And I want to focus on his wife, Carmella. Carmella, today, and my thoughts and prayers go out to both Carmella and Corey Graves, okay? Carmella revealed today on social media, which she did not have to at all. So the courage that Carmella showed in this instance, to share this very personal story with everybody took a lot of fucking courage in itself to even put the words on her phone and hit send. Carmela reveals she suffered a miscarriage. She suffered a miscarriage, and she's been off television for this very reason. Carmela went to the ER over the weekend and she started to experience sharp pains in her left side after tests were done. And she was given the news. And she says this on social media, on Instagram. I've gone back and forth with myself about posting this because I'm not looking for any sort of sympathy. But today was the last day of Infant Loss Awareness Month. I wanted to share my story. Today, I was treated for an ectopic pregnancy. I never thought something like this would happen to me, especially after suffering from an early miscarriage in September. Nothing can prepare you for this news after getting a positive pregnancy test. I was cautiously optimistic this time around after the early loss I had already experienced, but was hoping for the best. I spent 12 hours in the ER on Saturday when I started experiencing some sharp pains on my left side after several tests and ultrasounds. I was given the devastating news that this was, in fact, an abnormal pregnancy. The reason I'm sharing all of this is because in the moment, it feels so isolating. 
What doesn't anyone ever talk about? Why doesn't anybody ever talk about this? My husband and I watched a, a comedy special. I don't remember what comedy special it was on TV. And she spoke openly about miscarriage, whoever was in this comedy show. I immediately burst into tears. She went on to explain that we should be speaking more openly about this topic so we as women don't blame ourselves and think there's something wrong with us. I want to do the same. I'm part of this statistic, and it's happening to me. Again, I'm not looking for any sympathy. I know I'll eventually recover from all this mentally, physically, and emotionally. I know I'll eventually recover from all of this. For anyone dealing with any type of pregnancy loss, I want you to know your feeling and emotions are valid. There is nothing wrong with you, and you are not alone. End quote. Incredibly powerful stuff and incredibly inspiring that she actually took it upon herself to let us in a little bit about what was going on in regards to her personal life. My thoughts and prayers go out to her. That is an absolutely terrible story. Absolutely terrible situation. My thoughts and prayers go out to Carmela. I also want to send my thoughts and prayers to Corey Graves. And this is what I told Jesse. You know, we were talking about this back and forth on the phone during Monday Night Raw. This was since early September. It is now November 1st. Corey Graves showed up to work every single fucking week amongst changes, amongst a new administration, amongst a new commentary partner. Everything around him changed. His wife went through this absolutely terrible life-altering situation. And Corey Graves, as the husband of Carmella, went to work every single fucking day and did his job while he had his wife go through what she went through, showed up to work every single day, and you would not have ever seen or heard anything different from that man's fucking voice and that man's demeanor on Monday night while his wife was going through all of this. You would have never known Corey Graves was going through anything with how he acted on Monday night. So not only is Carmella absolutely courageous for even sharing this story, how courageous was Corey Graves in this time of need to go to work and do what he needed to do without any hesitation whatsoever and not change his demeanor or who he is at all for us? That, that is truly, truly inspiring. I could never, I, I couldn't even bring myself, man, I wear my fucking heart on my sleeve at the littlest shit, man. You know when I'm fucking pissed. You know when I'm sad, depressed, upset, angry. Every fucking human emotion, man. It's written all over my fucking face. You would have never known a fucking thing about Corey Graves, period. That is truly remarkable. My, my thoughts, my love, my prayers go out to both Carmella and Corey Graves, man. Hopefully she's okay. Hopefully she gets back. Hopefully she recovers from this. And Corey Graves as well. Unbelievable stuff, man. What a truly inspiring story it was. Uh, for her to even go out there and express all of that shit. So I just wanted to let that be known to everybody here. If you guys were not in the know about that, that actually broke earlier this afternoon, right before Monday Night Raw. So my thoughts and prayers go out to Carmella and both, uh, both Carmella and Corey Graves. Moving on. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lash. They were supposed to have a sit-down, split-screen interview between the two. 
So they showed Lashley. He was sitting alone in this interview segment. Lashley says he's not surprised. Brock no-showed. They showed the split screen. Lashley was on one side, and a Lesnar empty chair was there. Nobody was there. He said he's not surprised Lesnar no-showed, and he's been avoiding him for years. He said he'll expose him at Crown Jewel, just as he did a few weeks ago on Raw. He said Lesnar is a Bobby Lashley wannabe. Lesnar's music then played. He didn't walk out to the interview to sit sit in the chair. He walked out to the arena. Graves says Brock Lesnar is in the house. Lesnar entered the ring, smiling. He's got a Megadeth t-shirt. Brock Lesnar wanted his own symphony of destruction tonight, folks. That's exactly what he got. So Lesnar walked to the ring. He says he didn't come to Texas to talk. He came to fight. He says if he didn't get the memo, get his ass to the ring for an ass beating, he tells Lashley. Lashley marches out. Lesnar charged at him in the aisleway. They were quickly swarmed by security and WWE officials. Patrick on commentary said, imagine what will happen Saturday when there is no security present. I can imagine it's going to be a brawl. Hopefully it's better than what they did at the Royal Rumble. Hopefully. Lesnar broke free briefly, was pulled off again by security. Triple H all of a sudden emerges from the back. He's got... This angry scowl about him. He's pointing at Lesnar. He's pointing at Lashley. He goes up to Lesnar. Lesnar says, fuck off. He runs right at Bobby Lashley again. Referees and officials and security pulled him apart again. Triple H gets involved and points at both of them and points at the officials, ordering people around. If these two men touch each other again, I'm calling the match off for Saturday afternoon. I'm calling the match off for Crown Jewel. So I love that Triple H was out there. You know, we, we've seen this already. We've seen these brawls happen way too many times. But it's truly special to see Triple H come out when we know he's in charge and we know he's head of creative and we know he's the boss. You know, we really didn't see Vince McMahon come out and do anything like that. It was always Adam Pierce or a commissioner or a GM. Triple H is out there and it really elevates the entire segment. And I don't mean this in a way where I'm going to fucking sit down and fucking suck this guy's balls, but it's great to see Triple H out there because you don't usually see someone in power come out there like that. I remember seeing that back in the old school. You'd see Vince McMahon out there during a fucking segment when you didn't really know he was the owner, but you kind of knew he was in charge. He would be out there, and, and, you know, in the early day in my time, we'd see... Jack Tunney out there, right? We'd see someone come out. And when you see someone like that come out, man, it elevates the entire situation, right? When Triple H was out there, it elevated the entire situation. We're like, oh, shit. Okay. They want to add a level of seriousness to this. So I would not be shocked. I'm throwing a prediction out there. I would not be shocked if Triple H wants to fucking up the ante here after what we've seen, make this an ODQ match. No rules. No holes barred between Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. Do they need it? No. They don't. But the referee's going to allow them to do whatever they got to do anyway, so you might as well. No holes barred for Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. That's my prediction. We're going to get a no DQ, some, somewhat of a no DQ situation at Crown Jewel Saturday. But I thought this was great. Triple H out there enhanced the segment, and it really made it feel that much more intense. Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins has now added the blonde streak to his hair. Seth Rollins is very over with every audience that he steps in front of. It's a great thing to see. He deserves it. He went one-on-one with Austin Theory, and this match went 15 minutes or so, and I understand that 
Austin Theory is the money in the bank briefcase holder. I understand that Austin Theory has taken quite a bit of losses over the last few months. I get it. Even when Vince was there, he ate L after L after L, and that's what they do because he's got the briefcase, and they feel like he's got a championship match guaranteed that he could lose some matches. He's losing more than just some matches. This was a great match. This was probably the best match of the entire night, in my honest opinion. And that's not really surprising, seeing who's in the match. Why is Austin Theory... He lost here, by the way. Austin Theory lost. Why is Austin Theory allowed to take loss after loss after loss after loss? Does it bother you that Austin Theory is taking losses? Well, JD's the future of the company. He's Mr. Money in the Bank. He should be winning some matches at least, which he has. I can count them on one hand. But he's won a match here or there. It's not about the briefcase. Yes, I understand you want Austin Theory to look somewhat good when he cashes in the fucking briefcase. I get it. But at the end of all of it, is it truly about the briefcase? Is Austin Theory really ready for a world championship? No. I don't know what WWE's got planned for Austin Theory, but... If you listen to the podcast on Sunday night, they got one of two things going on right now. The the two things that that are going on right now internally. One, plans for Austin Theory call for possibly holding the briefcase till the next Money in the Bank ladder match. Making it like some sort of deadline that he's got to cash it in because we're going to crown a new Money in the Bank briefcase holder tonight. So it's going to be something along those lines. Potentially, that's the idea that's on the table. The other idea is that they may cancel the Money in the Bank pay-per-view and move it back to WrestleMania to a women's match on Saturday and a men's match on Sunday, which I think would be great. I've been calling for that for fucking years now. He's not going to be world champion. No matter who the champion is, Austin Theory is not going to be world champion. We're talking about Roman Reigns potentially holding the championship well past WrestleMania at this point. If he wrestles Dwayne, if Roman wrestles Rock, He's beating Rock. I don't see Roman losing going into WrestleMania. That's just not what WWE wants to do. So WWE has Roman Reigns carrying the championship through WrestleMania, maybe 100 days of a title reign that will be eclipsed. Austin Theory is going to factor into a world championship? On, On everybody's list of fucking people, is Austin Theory there? No. To be world champion? No. Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt, Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins. Austin Theory is not going to be a world champion. Austin Theory was given a briefcase because Vince McMahon had a fucking boner for Austin Theory. This was a Vince McMahon decision. This was not a Triple H decision. Triple H would have never in a thousand fucking lifetimes put Austin Theory in a Money in the Bank briefcase, uh, ladder match rather, for the briefcase. He would have never put Austin Theory in a fucking ladder match uh, at the last second. Have him wrestle two minutes in the match and then win the briefcase. There was already eight guys in the match. We got nine fucking guys in the match. Or was it six or seven? I don't know. I don't even know. He, he made it an odd number. Austin Theory made it an odd number of competitors in the match, which is ridiculous. It should be six. Six max. But Vince McMahon opted to put him in there. For what reason? I don't know. The only reason I think is because he had a boner for Austin Theory. And now he's stuck with it, and they don't know what to do with him. So, yes, he's going to lose and lose and lose. They got this as a crutch. It's not about Austin Theory losing. Austin Theory is fine. 
to them, he's got the briefcase. Austin Theory losing to them is fine. Do you want to know why they don't give a shit about him losing? It's much more than the briefcase. Austin Theory is in the ring with guys like McIntyre. Austin Theory's been in there with guys like Kevin Owens. Austin Theory's been in there with guys like Bobby Lashley. He's been in there against Champa and Miz. And he's been in there against Seth Rollins. Austin Theory has wrestled every single style, every single size competitor in the WWE. And more times than not, he's had good to great matches. I wouldn't go out there and call them bangers, but they're on the verge of being bangers. Austin Theory is going to be on the verge of being one of those guys that goes out and delivers bangers. He is very good at what he does. If you don't think so, maybe you need to go get your fucking eyes checked. Austin Theory is going to be great. He is still so young. He's a baby. He's going to be great. He's going to be the future of this company. Him losing right now means jack shit to me. The fact that he's in the ring with fucking perennial world champions like Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and he's giving you great matches, that's what I'm looking for as a fan. Because when he gets in there and he's actually ready to be a world champion, he would have already wrestled world champions, and by default, that will make him a world champion. That's why I love him losing. And don't mind, I don't love him losing, but I don't mind him losing. That's great. You got to give and you got to take. There's always, there's always that rainbow at the end of the fucking uh, thunderstorm, right? This is his thunderstorm. A couple of losses here and there, but look at the fucking quality of work he's giving everybody with the competitors that he's in the ring with. It's great. I love it. So we got Seth Rollins beating him in about 15 minutes. Really good match. Rollins was clearly the baby face here. Mega over was Seth Rollins. Rollins outsmarted Theory early in the match. He was in control until Austin Theory took control, knocked Rollins off the apron into the announce table, tossed him into the steel steps. They go back and forth after a small commercial break. Rollins hit a suicide dive twice. Falcon arrow for two. Rollins followed with a flying headbutt, flying knee, thrust kick, two. Goes for recovery, gets it two. They traded cradles back and forth until Theory punched Rollins, hit a neck breaker for a two count, followed up with a blockbuster, goes for another cover, gets a two count. They traded more counters until Theory hit a super kick and a forearm. Theory was in control for a little bit. He set up for a pedigree, which he took too long to execute, and Rollins countered that and hit a curb stomp for the one, two, three. Awesome. Very good stuff by Austin Theory and Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, I feel like he deserves a little bit more than he's given. He's got the United States Championship. That is the main title on Monday Night Raw now. It should be in the upper echelon of more important things on the show instead of just throwing it on the show in a nothing match with Austin Theory and just getting it in the middle of the show. We need the United States Championship. The United States Championship is going to be the championship. It needs to start being propelled as the top championship on Monday night. Not somewhere in the fucking 845 time slot on Monday Night Raw. Roman Reigns. He's on Monday Night Raw. He decided to show up to work on Monday night. Roman Reigns is out there, but before Roman Reigns came out there, 
They had breaking news. Bray Wyatt will be at Crown Jewel on Saturday. No doubt about it. The Crown Prince called up Triple H and said, Yo, Hunter, listen, Paul, listen, bro. Uh, Who's this Bray Wyatt character? And why is everybody making a big deal about him? Is he going to be in Saudi? Oh, well, uh, Prince, we uh, didn't have any plans for Triple uh, for uh, Bray Wyatt to show up at uh, Crown. I don't give a shit. Get him on a plane and get him in Saudi. I want him here now. It's basically all that happened. I don't think Bray Wyatt was supposed to make the trip over to Saudi, but the fact that the fact of the matter is he's the hottest guy in the fucking industry and he's going to be in Saudi. Doing what? I don't know. We'll probably get more mysterious vignettes. We'll probably get uh, more Uncle Howdy on Saturday afternoon. Roman Reigns. He's in the ring. He finally decides to show up to work. He's out there. He's in the middle of the ring after his long entrance. We got a mix of Roman chants. We got Usi chants. This is the new thing, folks. Watch out for merchandise on WWE Shop with the word Usi. It's coming. Reigns is in the ring. He told Dallas to acknowledge him. They did. Crowd chanted Usi, Usi, Usi at Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns played into it. Roman Reigns assured. Dallas. They were in Dallas, right? Dallas or San Antonio. I think it was Dallas. Uh, Reigns told Dallas that Sami Zayn and Jay Uso were off making things right, and soon Jay would be a new Usi right-hand man. So Reigns is really playing up the Usi thing. He is. I love it. Makes him a little bit more human. How many of you guys are Usi in the chat? Leave me an ace emoji in the chat if you got him. If you're Usi. If you don't have an ace emoji, become a channel member. What the fuck are you waiting for? Rain says he had enough Usi talk. He mentioned the number of opponents he has spent time hyping up only for him to smash them. And when the match comes, it's Roman Reigns victorious. Reigns called himself the greatest of all time, done by design. And he's going to go up against a guy who's only had two matches. He didn't plan on hyping a match against an outsider like Logan Paul. Rain says the tribal chief won't do that, but the wise man will. He handed the microphone to Paul Heyman. Heyman mentioned that Paul had steel screws in the hand that he planned on throwing his lucky punch with. Heyman said Paul has been training with Shawn Michaels. And Roman Reigns sarcastically was not impressed. Miz, don't know why Miz is out there. He interrupted. Miz gladly acknowledged Roman Reigns as his tribal chief, but he warned Reigns about Logan Paul's heavy punch, the same one that knocked out Jay Uso. Miz knew Logan better than anyone and offered Reigns a hand in neutralizing him. Reigns pretended to take Miz seriously. He says... Sounds like this guy wants to make a deal. I like this guy, right? I acknowledge you as my tribal chief. I like this guy. We could do some business with this guy. All of a sudden, Roman Reigns knocks Miz out with a Superman punch. Reigns then said, people should be talking about me knocking Logan Paul out, not the other way around. And when he did, he would have no choice but to acknowledge him. Reigns left. He yelled at the camera saying, all of this, WWE, the ring, the aisleway, the cameraman, is all his. 
this is his WWE, and Logan Paul is going to get smashed at Crown Jewel. And he is. And he is. I predicted this on the podcast over the weekend. I feel like on Friday, I think Logan Paul is going to tease a knockout punch. We're going to get that knockout punch. It may actually come in the first 30 seconds of the match. We don't know. I feel like Logan Paul is going to get that knockout punch, and we're going to get a dastardly fucking near fall for Logan Paul stealing a victory. We're going to get it, but it's not going to be enough, and Roman Reigns is going to win. Now, I said time and time and time again that this match is, to me, uninteresting. I don't really give a shit. I honestly think Logan Paul is going to go out there and fucking wow people like he's done the last two times he's been in the ring. It should be an entertaining match. It means nothing to me, but that's not going to stop me from watching the match. i got to sit here and do my job, right? I'm going to enjoy it. I think it's going to be a very entertaining, going to be a well-constructed match, like all of Roman Reigns' matches are. But I don't really care about it. It's a nothing match, and we know Roman is not going to lose. But it should be good. Miz was in the trainer's room. He was holding ice on his face after being punched by Roman Reigns. Kathy Kelly approached Miz and asked if he was aware that Johnny Gargano sat down with Byron Saxton for a tell-all interview. Miz didn't really care. He said a journalist like Kelly should know a story, shouldn't air if it can't be verified by multiple sources. And Gargano's source, Dexter Loomis, doesn't even speak. Mustafa Ali comes in and starts the whole Miz has tiny balls thing because he said everything is bigger in Texas. Miz was previously trying to get his match against Ali canceled, but after Ali's comment, Miz says he would beat him tonight with a busted jaw. So we got a Miz match with Ali. I wish the Miz match was canceled. I really do. Moving on. Carl Anderson. He's with AJ Styles and Luke Gallows against Damian Priest. Carl Anderson, WWE and New Japan seemingly look to be working all of us with their dissension. Carl Anderson seems to be working all of us with his New Japan storyline that he's not going to defend the never open weight championship. His now championship match that was supposed to be happening on Saturday that he was scheduled for with Hikuleo in Japan is now canceled. So Carl Anderson is playing everybody, and this is all a la- elaborate and planned work for New Japan and WWE with Carl Anderson. Good. I'm glad it is. Harmonious fucking companies working together. It's a great thing to see. So Anderson is in the ring with Damian Priest. I've largely enjoyed Judgment Day. You know, there really wasn't much that went on today to kind of sway me to be even more excited about this match. It should be a fun match. You know, obviously they're teasing. uh, Somebody is going to take care of Rhea Ripley, so we don't know who exactly that's going to be. So I guess maybe we'll find out on Monday. Maybe we'll find out on Saturday at, at, at Crown Jewel. We don't know. But Judgment Day made their entrance, and everybody loves Rhea Ripley. They showed photos of fans dressing up as Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley, man, it is very difficult to not like what Rhea Ripley's doing. She looks great, and she looks like she's having a blast out there with Judgment Day. Good. Completely different story fucking four months ago. So Anderson punched Dominic at ringside during this match, took him out just because, fuck him. Anderson turned and punched Dominic. Priest then caught Anderson with a super kick. Anderson climbed to the top rope. 
Ripley stood on the ring apron, and Anderson switched his attention, which I don't blame him, to Rhea Ripley instead of Damian Priest. Priest then caught Anderson with a face plant off the ropes. Um, then Priest was in control. Anderson countered for a little bit. A reckoning attempt by um, Priest was good. He got the reckoning. One, two, three, and that was it. That was it. Damian Priest wins. Judgment Day gets another victory, and they are headed towards a six-man tag at Crown Jewel. Everybody began brawling after the match was over. Ripley gave Gallows a low blow from behind. She then yelled at Styles and Anderson to double-team her. Get your mind out of the gutter. She was welcoming a two-on-one attack. Get your mind out of the gutter. And Priest then caught Anderson in the face. Uh, or not Anderson. Um, Styles comes from behind. Balor comes from behind, gets Gallows. And that was basically it. So... Balor attacked from behind. Priest gave Styles a razor's edge. Balor then landed a coup de grace on Carl Anderson. Dominic climbed the top rope. He played to the crowd, did the Eddie frog splash off the top rope, and he nailed it on AJ Styles. So that was pretty much the end of that. So Judgment Day has the momentum going into Crown Jewel. Looks like the OC may get the victory in Saudi Arabia over Judgment Day, but I've largely enjoyed this. Who's the equalizer for Rhea Ripley? I don't know. I don't know. So we'll get the answer to that, I guess, in a... Did did, Damian, did, I, did I get it wrong? Uh, Anderson counted a record. Yeah, I'm sorry. Anderson won. I'm sorry. I said Damian Priest won. Anderson won with a reckoning attempt and a bad... I, I completely fucked up my notes. I apologize, man. It's late, okay? And I had a long weekend. Anderson wins with a reckoning attempt countered and into a backslide. Carl Anderson won. Uh, listen, I don't want to take anything away from Carl Anderson. I like Carl Anderson. Okay? Damian Priest loses. This is what spawned the attack after the match was over. Um, who's the equalizer? Who's the equalizer for Rhea Ripley? Some people are saying it's Beth Phoenix. I don't know if it's Beth Phoenix, man. Why would Beth Phoenix be there and not Edge? I don't know. Maybe Edge shows up. In Saudi Arabia. He's been off TV for a little bit, but I don't know. Could it be Beth Phoenix? But why would Beth Phoenix be there away from Edge? Now, what if WWE, there are rumors going around that WWE is potentially going to bring in Chelsea Green. What if we get Chelsea Green showing up in WWE and she is the one to battle alongside the elite against Rhea Ripley. I think that would be good. Chelsea Green worked for Impact. She's a free agent now. Gallows and Anderson shared a locker room with Chelsea Green. She was over there with the OC, right? So why not? That could work. Who else would it be? Who else would WWE bring on in to be a great, believable equalizer to Rhea Ripley? I don't know. Mia Yim could be Mia Yim as well. That could be a great way to get Mia Yim back involved. Mia Yim? I don't know. One of the two, I think, would be great. So we'll see what happens. I think all, all two of them. But listen, we got Emma. We got Emma back. We got Tegan Knox rumored to come back. We got Mia Yim. We got Chelsea Green. I think all three of them are back before the end of the year. So WWE, you know Triple H loves his women's revolution. You know Triple H is going to bring all those women back to the WWE, man. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing Tegan Knox back. I think she got 
a fucking shit end of the stick when she got fucked over and released. So we'll see. Same thing with me. I am. So we'll see what happens. Backstage promo. Backstage promo. We got MVP and the mighty. <laughs> Omas, the mighty Omas, is standing there. He's skyscraper tall. MVP said that Braun Strowman can tip over trucks, but he'll never measure up to the mighty Omos. He says he's coming to SmackDown on Friday and has arranged a surprise for him. The only surprise I'd like to see is him not showing up. JBL. JBL is out there. He's making his way to the ring. He's there with Baron Corbin. I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll listen. I'll get to Corbin in a second, man. JBL's out there. I couldn't give a lick of a shit about JBL. He says it's great to be in his home state. He said the United States was formed with Texas as the centerpiece. He said the other states can thank them. He talked about the Dallas Cowboys and brought up the Von Erichs and Stone Cold Steve Austin. The greatness of Texas has been immeasurable until you snowflakes came along and ruined it. Same can be said about Twitter. Twitter was great until all the snowflakes took over. So he says they turned Texas into an embarrassment. He said Halloween is when parents send kids door-to-door begging for food. He says it's the last thing this young, entitled, lazy, safe space-seeking generation needs. He says they shouldn't be allowed to call themselves Texans. You disgust me. He said despite all that, he's going to once again introduce greatness to the stage. He told everyone to get up on their feet. And put your woke, chubby hands together for Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin comes out. He's wearing this absolutely ridiculous outfit. He looks like fucking a pimp on fucking the corner of uh, Las Vegas Boulevard. This is Baron Corbin. He says he knows it made the night of the fans to be in the presence of a modern-day wrestling god. <laughs> Oh, man. WWE creative is that fucking lazy, man, right? This storyline is so lazy that they are now desperately trying to get over Baron Corbin as a wrestling. (laughs) Oh, man. That's as funny as people telling me I should watch Impact. You gotta be fucking kidding me, man. Baron Corbin is a wrestling (laughs) guy. Cake, man, are you fucking serious? Baron Corbin's a wrestling. <laughs> oh man, I can't even say it, man. I can't even say it. What, what a fucking pathetic storyline. Oh my god, Road Dog, what's going on, bro? 
Who am I? Who do I gotta blame for this shit? I gotta blame Paul. I gotta blame. I gotta. I gotta blame Levac. Right? Come on. Our truth comes out. Thankfully, saves this seg. I don't even think he saved it. He fucking. Uh, he actually made it interesting and enjoyable. Truth comes out. He's dressed as a cowboy. JBL asked, what is he doing? He looked ridiculous, he says. Truth says he just wanted to wish Dallas a happy Halloween and tell JBL and Corbin that he really likes their Halloween costumes. JBL says, we're not in costumes, you idiot. JBL says that they're not wearing costumes. He called him an idiot. Truth said JBL dresses like a mean, hostile, steaming, angry old man, out-of-touch old man. Sounds like that was a Vince McMahon dig, if you ask me. A mean, hostile, steaming, mad, angry, angry, out-of-touch old man. Corbin tried to uh, lunge at R-Truth and attack him, but Corbin ended up giving him the end of days after R-Truth tried to fend off the attack, and that was it. I don't know... How you guys are feeling about this, I don't really, you know, I was in Ireland when all of this was first introduced to us, and I knew it was coming because we seen Corbin off of TV for several weeks, we seen him picked up in the limo, JBL's limo, and we didn't see him for weeks, people were thinking, oh yeah, he's the, he's going back to the lone wolf, he's going to be part of the Wyatt Six, Corbin was always, you know, rumored to be a part of the Wyatt Six, that's clearly, that's not happening. I don't understand how anybody could sit here and think this is working. How is this working? You know, I'm not an idiot when it comes to this shit. Corbin was boring as dishwater before this. He was uninteresting. He's not very all, he's not all that good as far as his character to the, to the audience and to the viewing audience at home. Happy Corbin, sad Corbin, uh, this version of Baron Corbin, the wrestling God, this is what you're going with. This is what you think is best for business for Baron Corbin. First of all, JBL is deplorable television, number one. Nobody gives a fuck about JBL. In fact, JBL is actually taking away from Baron Corbin here. So what you've realistically done is you put Baron Corbin in a situation where he is the most insignificant part of the act. Baron Corbin is a fucking background player. This entire thing is meant to make Baron Corbin into a star. This entire thing is meant to make Baron Corbin into a better version of the last Baron Corbin that we saw him. And it's worse. They're somehow regressing. They've somehow, some way, made him worse on WWE television. How does anybody think this is working? Now, I would understand that, you know, a manager complimenting the performer, but here you have JBL cutting a promo, outshining Baron Corbin in everything he does. Meanwhile, at the end of the day, does Baron Corbin really need somebody to speak for him on the microphone? If there's one thing about Baron Corbin that he does great, it's a fucking heel promo. What you've done is taken away his best asset And you're trying to sell me on something that we know is not true. You've taken away his promo and you're trying to sell me on Baron Corbin, the wrestling God, 
Meanwhile, it should be the other way around. Baron Corbin should be cutting the fucking promos for himself, and JBL, the wrestling god, should be in his corner complimenting him, not stealing the fucking spotlight. Now, let me see somebody try and cancel me over that fucking opinion, too. Shit sucks. It's not entertaining, and it's not something that I care to see. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but this shit sucks. Does not make me want to see Baron Corbin at all on television. Wrestling God my ass. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Of all the people that you have on that roster, you chose Baron Corbin to stand alongside JBL and have the balls to call him a wrestling god? Jesus fucking Christ, man. They've taken Baron Corbin and fucking made him worse than what he was before. When all you needed to do was send Baron Corbin out there as the lone wolf Baron Corbin. That's the Baron Corbin that everybody wanted to see. That's the Baron Corbin that everybody was interested in. Not this shit. He looks like a fucking grade D pimp. Give him some fucking hose, and he'll be the fucking godfather all over again. Bailey was backstage. She talked to Nikki. Nikki Cross. They were in some weird segment. She smiled, got up, and left. Nikki was talking to, or she was listening to Bailey. Bailey was talking to Nikki. Nikki was talking, looking very blankly at Bailey, smiled sarcastically, evil smile by Nikki, and then got up and walked away. Bailey looked unsure about what had happened here. I guess they're trying to negotiate something with Nikki Cross, maybe joining Damage Control, maybe joining them in the war against Bianca. Who knows? Who knows? Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle with Elias versus Otis with Chad Gable. This was a no-DQ match that they labeled a trick or street fight. Now, I am not one for fun and games. I am not here to be jovial. I am not here to laugh. I'm not here to celebrate, okay? I love Halloween. I love the fall. There's many things I love about the fall, okay? I'm going to say something that I want you guys to be aware of, okay? It's my opinion. It will be okay at the end of the evening with what I'm about to tell you. I guarantee you that you're not going to lose sleep at the end of the night when I tell you what I'm about to tell you. I did not care for this segment, okay? Is everybody okay? Did you shit your pants? Did you piss your pants? Did you, uh... Fucking Doritos spill out of your mouth while you were chewing and get crumbs all over your keyboard. Are you typing away at me? Uh, they needs to be canceled. I didn't like the segment. Is everybody okay? I didn't find this funny. I wasn't humored by it. Are you all right? Seriously. Is anybody going to have a stroke, a heart attack, conniption fit, anxiety attack? Everybody all right? Everybody in the venue okay? Good. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't find it funny. I thought it was ridiculous. I hate holiday-themed shows, okay? Is everybody all right? 
I gotta check. I gotta check everybody. I gotta check everybody's fucking heart rate. I gotta check everybody's pulse. All right. Are you all right? Are you sure? Are you sure? Complimentary shots for everybody. Are you sure? I don't like holiday themed shows. I don't like Halloween themed shows. I don't like Christmas themed shows. I don't like Valentine's themed shows. I don't like Easter themed shows. Okay. I don't. I don't like holiday themed shows. It's okay. The world will revolve or spin tomorrow. The, the, the sun will rise tomorrow, right? Don't worry about it. This was very Vince McMahon-esque. And I mean that in, you know, what we've discussed about the lame comedy that WWE does on TV when shit like this arises. This was a very Vince McMahon-esque segment. Otis and Gable are out there, and I've praised Otis and Gable. I love Otis and Gable. I think they are fucking great. I'd give them a solid run with the tag team titles if it was up to me. I think Chad Gable's fucking phenomenal. I think Otis is great. Otis is now looking like Otis D from NXT. I love it, right? We've seen some of that Otis D tonight, right? We've seen some of that heavy machinery Otis tonight. They came out dressed as Chippendale dancers. They came out dressed as Chippendale dancers. Otis... He reminded me a lot of Chris Farley tonight, man. I love Chris Farley. I loved Black Sheep. I loved Tommy Boy. Loved him. Can't even count how many times I watched both movies. Loved Chris Farley. He's out there. He's fucking humoring everybody. He's dancing. He's shaking his belly. He's doing the worm. Great. Otis is fucking great. And he's he's just a pleasure. He's a joy to watch is Otis. So is Gable. Matt Riddle is out there. Matt Riddle's out there, and he's dressed as Elias. Oh, he's not dressed as Elias. He's dressed as Ezekiel. Basically, Elias. He's dressed as Ezekiel. He's got Ezekiel's tights on. He is out there with Elias. He is wrestling Otis in this trick or street fight, and we get this match underway. There's pumpkins all along the ring, on the apron, And it was a very Vince McMahon-esque segment. It was. Riddle dressed as Ezekiel. He wore the trunks and the tassels. Gable wanted to dress as Socrates, but figured the Dallas dimwits wouldn't get it. Instead, Gable and Otis dressed as Chippendales dancers. And he played Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley in an old Saturday Night Live sketch. So they danced down to the ring. Halloween decorations, skeletons, pumpkins. We had a candy cane kendo stick. Riddle hit a dive. Otis was in control after a break. He was gyrating and thrusting his hips to all of the fans' pleasure. Otis even did the caterpillar after Gable told him one night only. We did the heavy machinery caterpillar. Riddle came back with some kendo stick shots. Gable knocked him down, so Elias put Gable through a table. Otis hit the world's strongest slam, but missed the Vader bomb. Elias interferes, takes one of the jack-o'-lanterns, puts it over Otis's head. Then Riddle gives him an RKO, which did not look good because Otis had this huge fucking jack-o'-lantern on his head, and the jack-o'-lantern fell off mid-RKO, so he tried to RKO Otis with a fucking pumpkin on his head. 
And that was it. That was it. One, two, three after the botched RKO, which I'm assuming Otis couldn't see with the fucking pumpkin on his head. One, two, three, Matt Riddle wins, and he beats Otis in the lame trick or street fight. Now, I don't like holiday-themed shows. I, I, I think this was painfully unfunny. I mean, was it entertaining? Sure. I love Matt Riddle. I think Otis and Gable are great. I mean, I don't really care for Elias. The problem that we have here is Matt Riddle. What, what are we doing with Matt Riddle? Matt Riddle went from feuding with the Bloodline, tag team champions with Randy Orton, feuding with the Bloodline, moving on to a feud with Roman Reigns for the world title, one match, then moving on to Seth Rollins, grudge feud, which was great. And now he's mixing it up with Elias. I don't know if this is the right use of Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle went from feuding with the top of the card to now bottom of the barrel with Elias. This is the best use of Matt Riddle? I don't think so. Matt Riddle is so above this shit, yet he's there with Elias. I don't, I don't really, I mean, I don't know how you fall Matt Riddle so far from grace. What a joke. I mean, Matt Riddle should be fucking elevated after all that he did. And now you just lowered him back down to the fucking bottom of the barrel. Nothing. Nobody remembers. Nobody gives a shit. Unmemorable bullshit with Elias. Why? I don't get it. You should be riding that more. He beat Seth Rollins in a fight pit match. And now he's fucking teaming with Elias, banging on bongos and making weed references about the bongs. This is what Matt, I mean, great. I love Matt Riddle's humor, but I mean, Matt Riddle should be feuding for the Intercontinental or United States Championship if that's the case. The fuck are we doing? God, I can't wait for Randy Orton to get back so we can get Matt Riddle back in a fucking main event program. Shit sucks. What a joke. Matt Riddle is so fucking above this shit, man. And nobody seems to care. Ha 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 ha. Halloween, ah, I had a good time. Lighten up, man. Fuck you talk. I'm not here to lighten up. I'm not here to lighten anybody up. I'm here to watch a fucking show and tell you what's wrong and what's right. This shit sucks. I don't like it. Deal with it. Matt Rule deserves better. Moving on. Bailey, she was back with Dakota Kai and... Io Sky, she was trying to rile up her girls because they have a tag team title match later tonight. She was fuming with Kai. Kai was angry over how undeserving Asuka and Bliss are of a title shot. Bailey says she's right and says they will be the last women standing by the time next week comes after she's done with Bel Air at Crown Jewel. Miz versus Mustafa Ali. I didn't really care about this either. I mean, this was just a a throwaway match for Monday Night Raw. Not really all that entertaining at all. Ali, I mean, it's very difficult to care about Ali when you got him in these nothing matches. This went about 10 minutes. Fight spilled to the outside. Dexter Loomis made an appearance here in the front row, put Miz in a chokehold. Miz escaped from Loomis because Loomis couldn't really cinch in the chokehold, so... He ran back into the ring and ate an Ali super kick. 
Loomis escaped through security. Security guards jumped the barricade to go chase him out of the arena. Ali followed with a 450 splash for the one, two, three. And that was it. That was it. At least Ali changed his fucking ring attire. He wore this white and gold ring gear. He's uh, ditched the long tights for the boxing shorts. He changed the color on them. But I I don't like the boxing shorts for Ali, man. I honestly think the long tights fit him better. I don't know why he changed his attire. It makes him look even more of a mid-carder. Makes him look more of a mid-carder, in my honest opinion. He looks like a scrub. And ring attire goes a long way as far as presentation is concerned. I don't think the presentation on Ali is really hitting it for me. I think we need to go back and do what he used to do. WWE investigates. We got the true story of Dexter Loomis and The Miz. This was more of the this was one of the more entertaining segments on the show. And um, like I said before in the beginning, I really enjoyed Johnny Gargano and his entire take on this and him blowing the whistle on The Miz, which uh, honestly, from me to you, it was a long time coming on some sort of fucking explanation on this. They played this like a 60 minutes sit-down interview. So it was like a 60 minutes segment. Got the clock ticking noise in the background during the 60-minute intro. Gargano sat down with Saxton to tell the story. They included clips of Loomis with Gargano, Candice LeRae, and the Hartwell and NXT. So we got one thing that they did right is they gave you some sort of backstory on where Dexter Loomis came from, which I appreciate. I think that's great. I think we needed that. We needed that for a very, very long time. So we got some sort of backstory. Where was Dexter Loomis before this? He was in NXT. He was with Johnny Gargano. He was a part of the way, right? And Johnny Gargano documented his relationship to everybody there. He felt like he felt like a father. He felt like a father to Indy and a father to Dexter Loomis, right? And a father to... Austin Theory. They did these reenactments. What happened to Dexter Loomis? He got fired. They opened up and actually said, you know, Dexter Loomis got terminated. He got fired from WWE. So they did these reenactments. The reenactments were blurred, but you could honestly see it was Johnny Gargano dressed in fucking drag. He was dressed in a wig, a blonde wig, pretending to be Indy Hartwell, uh, or black wig rather, and he was dressed in a blonde wig, pretending to be Dexter Loomis. So, he was, he was pretending to be De- uh, Dexter and Indy while Dexter was shown leaving the Gargano household with all his belongings because he was fired and was blurred out like you would see in a Dark Side of the Ring. When they were doing documentaries on Dark Side of the Ring, you'd see the blurred out, you know, in-between segments. I thought it was great. Gargano mentioned that Loomis was fired while they were all in NXT and he played an audio recording of The Miz speaking with Loomis. Now, he said when Dexter Loomis was fired, it caused problems within the family. So he played this recording of The Miz speaking with Loomis. Basically, Miz hired Loomis to make it look like Loomis was terrorizing him. So this explains why Loomis didn't physically touch him in the early going. When Loomis finally did attack Miz, Miz was playing along with it. It also showed how Miz got out of his match against Bobby Lashley Because Miz knew he had no chance. And then Johnny Gargano was like, did you really expect the Miz to beat Bobby Lashley? Come on now, it's the Miz. Nobody expects Miz to beat beat Bobby Lashley and win the United States title. So Byron was asking all these questions. Well, why did he, I guess, forego the United States championship? 
What happened when Dexter Loomis choked him out and dragged him out of the arena? What happened when Miz attacked him in the aisleway before their match with the steel chair? He asked him all these questions. Gargano figured Miz stopped paying Loomis. After all this time, why is now Dexter Loomis continuing to chase the Miz around? And now Miz is kind of upset about it, calling him a lunatic and a psychopath and a stalker. Gargano figured Miz stopped paying Loomis recently, which is why things haven't gone his way. And he had to attack Loomis with the steel chair, which we saw during um, the aisleway spot when he was about to wrestle Loomis. It was uh, Loomis versus Miz, and Loomis was supposed to win, I believe, and get a contract, and if the Miz won, he would banish Loomis forever. So that was the deal. He attacked him with a steel chair. Saxton then listened to Gargano say, listen, Loomis has not been paid. So Saxton thanked Gargano for his time. Gargano smiled and said, you're welcome. And that was the end of the segment. So we got somewhat of an explanation here. And like I said in the beginning, I thought that we were going to get something a little bit more controversial. I thought we were going to get something a little bit more risque. And we didn't get it. We didn't get anything like that. We got what, what, what we got tonight with Johnny Gargano explaining that Loomis has not been paid by The Miz and was all set up. Loomis was terrorizing him basically to make Miz look good. And he's not paying Loomis. Was this the original plan? Was this the original idea? Tommaso Ciampa went down with injury. He had a hip problem. He's going to be out for a little bit. Was Ciampa supposed to be involved here? And was Ciampa supposed to be a part of the explanation? Nobody will know. I don't think anybody will ever know. Now, WWE went with a plan B, and this was their plan B, in my honest opinion. And what we got tonight is the explanation that Johnny Gargano gave. Am I okay with it? Sure. Does it make sense? Yeah, I could see the Miz doing something like that. But what's the end goal? What is the end goal? Is Dexter Loomis still contracted to WWE? Is he contracted to WWE? If not, will he be? I don't know. When are we going to get their match? Are we going to get a solution to all of this? Nobody knows. So I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. You let me know how you feel about it. I don't feel either way. I, I, I'm happy that we got some sort of explanation. Am I slightly disappointed? Kind of. Am I okay with it? Sure, I didn't hate it, but I think it could have been done better, and I do think that we got kind of skewed with Tommaso Ciampa going down with injury. Moving on. We got the main event. Asuka and Alexa Bliss. This is for the Raw Women's Tag Team Championships against Dakota Kai and Io Sky. In the main event of Monday Night Raw. This was not terrible. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the match was bad. The match was not bad. My only criticism about this match is WWE is trying really, really, really hard to make you care about the tag team titles. And I just don't care about the tag team championships. I don't. And the reason why I don't care about the tag team championships is because there is no division. This is a problem. Nobody wants to see the problem because you want to think everybody's all right. Nobody wants to talk about the problems because you want to pretend like everything is going to be okay. It's only a TV show, blah, blah, blah. JD's negative. I promise you, you won't lose sleep over what I'm about to tell you. The tag team championships are in the main event more times than they are. One of the more heavily featured things on the show on both Monday and Friday. 
So much so that sometimes it's a little nauseating. Triple H is really trying to get the tag team championships over, and I don't really understand why. The tournament was botched. The tournament was a fucking curse. Two teams were out of the tournament. Had to be replaced. He had to restructure the entire tournament. Finals came. He gave the belts to the wrong fucking team in the final. Now that team doesn't even exist. The original winners. He corrected the mistake by giving the belts back to Dakota and EO two weeks later. And they haven't done anything with the tag team championships at all. No memorable matches. They've lost singles matches here and there, left and right. They're not a solid duo. You didn't present them as, oh my God, these are the girls that are going to carry the division. These girls are unstoppable. These girls are the queens of the division, right? But there is no division. This is what happens when you have no division. You give the titles to Dakota and EO, and then what happens next? This is why I always ask, what's next? Where do they go from here? Now, yeah, you're feuding with Bianca and Asuka and Alexa. It's easy to make a tag team out of Asuka and Alexa. But outside that, there are no other tag teams. Shotzi and Raquel are a... My Alexa just went off. It's literally scared the fucking shit. My Alexa just went off in the kitchen. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Are you done? Thank you. Bliss. Now I got to call her Bliss because my Alexa is going to go off. This is what happens when you give Bliss and Oscar the tag team championships. Raquel and Shotzi, they are not really a tag team. And they're the only other tag team in the division. They're not really a tag team. So with Dakota and EO dropping the titles tonight, now I'm going to ask the same thing. You gave the belts to... Bliss and Asuka, what's next? Are they going to drop them back to damage control? I don't think so. That would be fucking stupid. Then why'd you take the belts off damage control tonight? Now, is it a travel issue? Is it a travel issue for these ladies? I don't know. Do they want to do it tonight and do the tag team title switch now because some of the ladies can't travel to Saudi Arabia? I don't know. But giving the belts to Asuka and and, uh, Bliss to me, doesn't really matter or mean anything. Because you're right back in the same boat with Dakota and EOS champions. What is next? Nothing is next. You got no division. You got no teams. Nothing can be memorable. If you're okay with titles flipping back and forth so frequently and so so nonchalantly, why are you okay with that? Titles and title reigns should mean something. Damage Control's title reign meant nothing. They will not be remembered for anything. WWE's not creating memorable television with the tag team titles in the women's division. This is why I would get rid of them. I don't know why Triple H brought them back. I don't. What purpose do they serve? They're an eyesore, and they don't create captivating television. They don't. It seems like right now the tag team titles are there because they need to be there. It's a narrative and an agenda that they're pushing for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, they don't really need the tag team titles. They don't. 
Now, a lot, uh, now, Bliss and Asuka won the tag team titles tonight. And I said this earlier. We have new tag team champions. Why? I honestly think Damage Control wasn't doing anything with the tag team championships. Damage Control wasn't doing anything. They were ice cold. Nobody believed in them. They went nowhere. They weren't believable. Something was clearly missing. They didn't gel. They're, they're not compatible, these three ladies. Bailey is not a natural leader by herself. She needs a partner in crime. That partner in crime is Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks and Naomi are rumored to be back imminently. Survivor Series is in Boston. Sasha Banks is a woman. Mercedes Vernado is a woman who wants to make history. The one thing that Sasha Banks is most, uh, the, the, the one thing that she is most wanting is to make a legacy for things to create a rich story, to be a part of history, be a part of the history books. You don't think Sasha wants to be a part of the first women's war games? I would find it very, very difficult for Sasha Banks not wanting to be a part of war games. That's why I do think she'll be back. It's in Boston. Everything makes sense. Joining damage control with Naomi. Five on five. Becky comes back. They're keeping tight-lipped about Becky. Becky joins Bianca, and we get five on five. It writes itself. It really does. But with Asuka and Bliss... Losing, uh, winning this match, rather, and Dakota and EO losing, I don't really see any other solution here for damage control outside of Sasha and Naomi. So we will see what happens. So going to the match itself, Asuka fought her opponents off on the apron. She made a hot tag to Bliss. Asuka looked great. I love Asuka. So she makes a hot tag to Bliss. Kai... Hits a Thez press. Uh, uh, Bliss, rather, hits Kai with a Thez press. Strikes, drop, kick, code red. Asuka tag back in. She tried to put Kai in an arm bar. Sky broke it up. Gave Bliss a backbreaker. Kai attacked Asuka and the leg. Sky followed with a running double knee strike in the corner. Springboard drop kick for a two. Sky came off the top rope, but Asuka countered into a code breaker. Asuka applied the Asuka lock. Sky uh, tapped, but Bailey was distracting the referee. So Dakota Kai broke up the. Asuka lock. Belair interferes. Wiped out Bailey with a tackle over the barricade. Belair and Bailey continued to brawl, which led Bailey giving Belair a beautiful Bailey to Belly off the barricade through a table that was that position right behind them. So both teams are in the ring. Asuka dodged Eo's moonsault. Asuka kicked Sky in the head. And Bliss hit Sky with Twisted Bliss for the one, two, three. Bliss and Asuka are the new. WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. And that is the way Monday Night Raw went off the air. Tag Team Champions, Asuka and Alexa Bliss. I don't really understand it, but outside of the reasoning I gave you, I could absolutely see Sasha Banks coming back and that being the start, the reset, with Damage Control as she joins Damage Control with Naomi to join Bianca and her girls inside war games. That's all I got for you. Anyway, guys, that is all I got for you as far as the review is concerned. We got super chats to get into, and I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me tonight. It's a great night. It's a great night. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the review. Follow me on social media. At JD from NY206, that's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. 
Hit that thumbs up. We need 150 likes for a thousand minimum. What are you doing? Minimum. Come on. Helps me out. Helps you out. Helps everybody out, man. Hit that thumbs up. Memberships are open. Get them on in. Super chats are open. Get them on in. And go check out all the other content on the channel. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Start at the top, guys. Joseph Taylor with two super chats. One with a five and one with a six. Super chat. Says two things. Favorite Shawn Michaels match at WrestleMania. Undertaker, WrestleMania 25. And should I listen to Alter Bridges' new album? Is it a good listen? Alter Bridges' new album is fucking great. Favorite track is Fable of the Silent Sun. Also, Joseph Taylor, JD, if the Elite and the House of Black are coming back soon, maybe Death Triangle, the Elite and the House of Black at full gear for the trios titles. Uh, Joseph Taylor, I would like to see a trio championship match between two teams, not three teams. I think three teams overcomplicates things. Ali with a 499 Super Chat. Hey, GD, my question to you is, who should be the female superstar to be in the OC club to have even the score with Judgment Day? Uh, Ali, I talked about that earlier, brother. I said, probably not Beth Phoenix, Mia Yim or Chelsea Green. I could see Tegan Knox as well being a possibility, but any one of those three would do. Michelle Moran, do we need to book KO on a milk carton? Where is he? Michelle, uh, Kevin Owens is sitting out. He doesn't travel to Saudi, so they don't need him for this. And right now, the, the, the bloodline story is so hot with Sami Zayn. It's taken on a life of its own. That Triple H has opted to keep Kevin Owens off of TV because he was supposed to be involved with the bloodline at Sami Zayn, but they're going to further the story and really let it gain momentum. Even more so. Kevin Owens is only off TV because he is going to be involved, and they're waiting for the right time to do so, which I am perfectly okay with. Joseph Taylor, Triple H's buried damage control. $2 Super Chat. Not if Sasha and Naomi come back. Sidro. Final Super Chat. Did you hear that Edge, Christian, and Gangrel started making their own beer? They call it the Brood. B-R-E-W-E-D. Not B-R-O-O-D. I see you, Sidro. I, I see you, Sidro. That's a good one, man. That's a good one. I'm going to give that one three and a half tacos. Sidro with another joke. Did you hear that Hunter Hearst Helmsley injured his quad, his triceps, and his neck? He became triple aches. All right, Sidro, listen, bro. You're already better than last night, man. You're already better than last night. MGM Bolin with a 999. When Roman was walking back up the ramp, talking into the camera, Heyman had a proud papa 
look on his face as if he's proud of how far Roman has come. That was an underrated moment. For, I didn't notice that, bro. I did not notice that at all. Well, good eye, Paul. Good eye. KW with a 49.99 Super Chat. Thank you, KW. Thank you for the generosity this evening. First and foremost, my condolences to Carmella and Corey. Indeed. Secondly, enjoyed the show. Plus, they limited the holiday foolishness, which Otis killed, by the way. Third, got blocked by five children on Twitter in the last 24 hours. Only two more to go. Uh, KW, who the hell were you blocked by, bro? Some of my fans said that Rebel blocked a lot of you guys, but uh, Rebel has not blocked me. Because they know I'm right. Shell Joan. Seven-month membership. Thank you. Sup, JD. What's up, Shell? Craig with a five-month membership. Five months and counting. OTS for life. King of the IWC, I acknowledge you, King JD. What are you guys drinking? Thank you, Craig. Sidro. Final Super Chat. What do you call a wrestler that eats everyone's food? Julius Greed. You know, like Julius Creed of the Creed Brothers. I like the other two better, Sidra. That was a good one, though. Casket Mob with a 999 Super Chat. Hope you had a fantastic Halloween, brother. OTS for life. Can't wait for Crown Jewel to be over already. Me too, Casket Mob. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the 10. Gary, the new man, with a $5 Super Chat. Alpha Academy costumes were the best thing that happened on the show. I love Alpha Academy, man. They're awesome. Not today, Jay, with a 499 Super Chat. Hey, JD, was that Raw tonight? Crowd was okay. It died off during that Riddle and Otis match. Yeah, it was... Listen, I don't like the Halloween-themed shows, bro. I know they limited it. I know they didn't overdo it. And they kept it very classy with the pictures of kids and fans dressing up as WWE superstars. That's great. I just don't care for it. And that's okay. I feel like I got a baby, everybody. It's all right. I don't like it. It's my opinion. You guys can like it. I'm not telling you you can't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Vegeta within eight months. Sorry, I haven't been watching a lot of streams as of late due to work. I'll always support you on this channel. Thank you for all your hard work. Vegeta, thank you so much, brother. As long as you're a VIP, man, that makes me happy. Ulysses with a $2 super chat. I don't care. To me, Rollins is the MVP of WWE this year. He may very well be. He may very well be, but it's tough to bet against Roman and the bloodline right now. Also, Ulysses with a five. The mess with you and the AEW women makes me really put off of AEW, bro. They lame. That and the other drama in AEW. Tony Khan better fix it or get him out.
Bro, it seems like I unified the women's division more than Tony Khan has unified the women's division. Don't tread on me with a $10 super chat and a $2 super chat. You should not have to explain yourself when it comes to your profession living in these times. It's insane what is going on. Where the word truth is not in existence. It's non-existent when it comes to truth. Uh, Listen, bro, I know. I know, man. It's uh, it's a damn shame. What am I going to do, though? I feel like I got to baby everybody. Dave K with a new membership. Dave, what are you drinking, brother? Yeah, and then Jade's got the fucking gall to go on Instagram and tell everybody over there because little Bow Wow. God forbid. I'm not, I know I'm not little Bow Wow, but she tells Jade, or Jade tells him rather, and the fans, because the fans were getting on, on, his, on his case and her case. She goes in the Instagram post and says, I hope you guys know that I'm playing a character. So, were you playing a character with me, too? Or or were you uh, strategically trying to bait me into a Britt Baker and her camp trap? That's what I want to know. I feel like I'm owed a fucking apology, if you ask me. Was she playing a character with me? Some of you guys told me no. Some of you guys actually came to me and word for word told me that even at these greetings and these meet and greets and these signings that she's actually a conceited bitch. Now, I don't know that for a fact, but some of these people were telling me this. Jeffrey Tavares, stop getting your feelings hurt in the chat, bro. All the mods are going to have to get you the fuck out of here, man. I don't give a fuck who you think is better. Don't be blasting anybody in my fucking chat room. Golden Face with a $2 super chat. Omos should go to Impact. Nobody watches Impact. Omos would fit perfect in Impact. They'd love him. JD from Memphis with a 1999 super chat. Hate what happened to you this weekend with AEW's women's locker room and drama. Just know that the OTS family is always behind you, no matter the guy, girl, or mark that comes your way. OTS, hashtag podcast of relevancy. Thank you, JD from Memphis. Appreciate you, bro. Kyle Ironman Smith becomes a new member. Thank you, Kyle Ironman. Love it. What are you drinking, brother? No, Ricky, I did not like TNA, and I didn't watch TNA. KJ with a four-month. Didn't expect to be here this long. I tried to tune in. As much as I can, you're number one for a reason. Keep being great, J.D. Thank you so much, KJ. Thank you for being here for four months, brother. Wellington T with a $5 super chat. Triple H is treating CJ as a filler pay-per-view. Crown Jewel is a filler pay-per-view. Stories don't need to matter as much. I have full faith things will pick up the Raw after Crown Jewel for Survivor Series. I hope so, bro.
Emerald Lord with an eight month. Thank you, bro. OTS for life says Emerald Lord. Thank you for the eight months, brother. Miggy Saito with a 125 in his currency. I don't know what that is. Super chat. JD, are you a God of War fan? Yes, I am. Noah Nixon reacts. 1999 Super Chat. Been following you and your channel since 2017. Your podcasts keep me entertained at work. When I'm on the road for 8 to 10 hours a day, it keeps me informed. I never miss a show. Thank you for all that you do. Cheers to you, brother. Thank you so much, Noah. Appreciate you, bro. And the best is yet to come, man. Five years you've been with me, and the best is yet to come. Joseph Taylor with a $3 Super Chat. Congratulations to Ryan Satin for getting married. LOL. It's great. He got hitched in Las Vegas, and he reenacted the Triple H and Stephanie McMahon wedding where he drugged her and drove off in his convertible. So when Ryan Satin wants to call somebody out on social media and call somebody a mark, he just presented and exposed himself as the biggest mark in all of the IWC. And I'm sure he was thrilled that he got the attention he wanted. Great. Right, Ryan Satin is no longer a virgin. Awesome. Thank you for expressing that to the entire fucking universe. Nobody gives a fuck. Fucking dim-witted twat is Ryan Satin. Ryan Satin looks like he listens to fucking some girly emo band where the fucking lead singer dresses up with black eyeliner and paints his nails black. Pussy. Captain Solo with a 999 Super Chat. Were you a fan of Al Snow during his stints in ECW? And the, absolutely, I was. I thought Al Snow was great. Not today, Jay. 499 Super Chat. I'm ready for all this Crown Jewel BS to be over with because Crown Jewel really dampened the moment, or the momentum, I should say, of WWE. Yes. I, I really feel like it has dampened the momentum. Machine Gun Kelly, Chelsea? Who listens to Machine Gun Kelly? Get him out. Man, I'm telling you, if this YouTube music studio, bro, where I could fucking buy licensed music is is hopefully good. Man, the music you guys are going to hear on this show, man, you're going to be hearing some fucking bangers on here. I'll tell you that right now. Miggy Saito with a 125. What is the name of the background song you play with a female vocal? It's called Lonely by Onlap. Ryan Satin's lonely because out of character fucking sucks dick. And he can't handle the fucking fact that I outdraw him and outnumber him in every way. (laughs) 
Anyway, guys, I appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Venue is closing up shop for tonight, man. I will be back. I think tomorrow night. I think tomorrow night, man. I think tomorrow night we're going to stream some Modern Warfare 2. No NXT. No NXT. We're going to we're gonna go on the second channel. We're going to go to the gaming channel. My secondary backup channel. We're, we're going we're gonna to stream some Call of Duty. And uh, we're going to have a good time. Because fuck NXT. Follow me on social media, man. Actually, from NY206. There's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. As always, I just mentioned that. I'm fucking exhausted. Hit that thumbs up. Let me see those thumbs up. I need 1,000 likes minimum. And go check out yesterday's podcast, episode 450. It was a certified banger. Anyway, guys, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to rest my voice. Gonna get some sleep, get up early, hit the gym like I usually do, and start the day right, man. Hopefully you guys have a great day Tuesday. I'll see you all right back here on Wednesday, and what a show it's gonna be, man. Wednesday night, live, dynamite. Do I like Modern Warfare 2? No, I don't. I think it's terrible. Wednesday night, live, Jesse and I, AW Dynamite right here. On OTS. I'll see you guys later.